0: When I talk about export with most people, they they sort of have an aha moment. And most don't realize that it is not as difficult as maybe they all first thought.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. This show is being brought to you by our sponsor, Cadenas Part Solutions. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, gorilla 76. There are some things about running or managing a business that sound plain intimidating until you just get your hands dirty and start doing it. And one of those things is expanding your business into international markets. All of a sudden, you're faced with new challenges that you haven't necessarily dealt with before from language barriers and time zone differences to international logistics and dealing with customs. Well, my guest today is someone who's been through all of that and is still standing to tell his stories. So let me take a moment to welcome Ashley Madre to the show today. Ashley is the Principal and Executive Vice President of Gas Innovations, a producer, purifier, and packager of specialty gases based in Houston, Texas. Ashley has over 40 years of experience in industrial specialty and hydrocarbon gas businesses. He began his career in 1981 as an industrial gas sales representative with the Lindy division of Union Carbide Corporation, which is now Praxair. In 1990, Ashley participated in the management buyout of the Lindy UCC subsidiary. He became vice president and sales manager directing acquisitions, managing sales, branches, and operations for the company, and growing it into a 42-location business. In the early 2000s, Ashley traded hydrocarbons for Duke Energy, procuring hydrocarbons from producers, and marketing to commercial users and other trading entities. Then in 2002, alongside Jason Willingham, Ashley co-founded Gas Innovations and several related companies. Gas Innovations is now a multinational company serving the industrial gas, oil, and gas, and petrochemical and related industries. Ashley, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Nice to, nice to be here and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well. Actually one thing I I try to do here with this podcast is ask listeners what topics they want to hear about and a few people have recently brought up this idea of or ha- having a guest on here that that can speak to expanding their business outside the US getting into international business and so I kind of you know d- dug around through my network a little bit and that's what led me to you and so what I was hoping you could kind of start out here by giving our listeners a little bit more background about what exactly you do, and how you landed where you are today.
0: Well, thank you. We package gases. That's the uh, simple version of what we do. And those gases are typically hydrocarbons. There are a few that are not, but uh, the hydrocarbon family, we package, we purify, we enhance their serviceability, and we ship them anywhere people want to have them, domestically and abroad. We ship in rail cars, we ship in disposable nine-ounce cylinders, and everything in between. In terms of how we got here, I finished school a long time ago and joined Union Carbide Corporation. And I've probably been in every petrochemical plant between Brownsville and Mobile in my life, and learned the industry there, and and grew up in industrial gas. And through a series of events, wind up starting my own company here with with a couple of partners. In 2002, Gas Innovation's and we've been very fortunate, grown it to almost 100 people. And now we serve most of the states and many of the foreign countries from around the world with those products.
2: So Ashley, you guys started out doing business domestically and then moved into international markets somewhere along the way?
0: Yes. We had always flirted with supplying a little bit of product to Mexico. We're in Texas. It makes sense. That border crossing from Texas to Mexico is fairly fairly simple. So we've done that, and we purchased product down there. But we really got started. I went to a networking breakfast sponsored by a group of attorneys, bankers, and service providers for the middle market companies that they survived, supplied. And the featured speaker was an old Federal Reserve guy who was serving at the University of Houston in economics capacity as chair of the economics department. And he made a speech that really resonated with us. It was almost like treating me like a little schoolboy and getting on to me for not paying attention to the export market. And he explained to us how the rest of the world craved many of the Western ways, whether it was Western technologies or Western ideas, but also the ways of doing business. And in Texas and in Houston, particularly, we have the Halliburton's of the world and we have Exxon and Shell and all those big guys. And, and he chastised for believe, for us believing that those were the only people that they were interested in. He said, they're interested in you as well, you middle market companies. And it really awakened us. And so I, I came back to my office and I gathered our team and I said, listen, <laughs> I've just been taken to the woodshed by Dr. Gilmer, Dr. Bill Gilmer, and we have got to pay attention to the export market. And we're going to start and come hell or high water, we're going to supply in a much broader fashion and a much more successful fashion than we ever have the export markets. And so we started. I'm a big networker. I believe that that we ought to go to meetings and we ought to network. And if you don't know somebody, you need to find out who it is and you need to know about them. You need to ask. And so we encouraged our team to do that. And I've got a great team. We've got a great team. So the next thing I know, I've got maps of each continent all over our conference room. (laughs) So they heard the message. Right. And so we started identifying our customers that we serve domestically. We began to ask each one of them where they had offices abroad and who the contacts were. And we started there. And it was amazing how that came to us. Then we started saying that we exported. And so now people start looking for us and they look for us on our website. And simultaneously with all of that, we we spent a great deal of time making our website what it ought to be. And, and not that we're there yet. I certainly don't mean that, but that we're way better off than we were when we, when we started. And we continue to try to keep it fresh, continue to try to keep it useful and with appropriate information on there that is useful, uh, that is searchable and findable by the world community, not just domestically. So, so we have put things on there in international languages. So, of course, Spanish. We've done some work with Korea, and so we've placed some Korean language data on there and, and others. And so I think when you start that, you send the message to your team that we're going to do it. And they, you know, I didn't tell them to go get maps. They did that. I didn't tell them to put on the website that we're going to export. They did that, and it, and it began to grow And as it grew, then we delved deeper and began to make calls. And then we began to travel internationally. And our traveling internationally really was maybe as good for our own people as it was for our potential customers and clients. Because then our people saw that we absolutely were committed. We were flying people around the world. We'd never done that before. (laughs) And we didn't, I don't want to say we were extravagant. But we did it right. We went to the proper meetings and conferences. We set up meetings ahead of time. I think the team liked it, and so they they never wanted to blow it. They they wanted to make sure they could go back. We let most of them take their wives when we went on those kind of international trips as a perk, and so it just it began to grow. Since that time, we've continued that emphasis. I bumped into a young man who asking me about work, and he was Korean, of Korean descent, and he was at the University of Texas and wasn't sure about the next level of activity, and he wanted to go to graduate school, so he spent a little time as an intern, and he spoke three or four languages, and so he would make calls on our behalf late at night. He would uh, participate in phone calls and help with the language barrier, but you know, what I would tell your audience is the language barrier is conceived in our heads worldwide most people use the English language. We're, we're sort of lazy here. We don't do as much alternative languages to English but most of the world does and so don't let that be a, a hurdle or any kind of impediment to your thinking in terms of doing export work. Again as we begin to pursue this we got offered opportunities to go to additional meetings we are part of the Greater Houston Partnership Organization, great organization. And they have monthly meetings that we that typically I attend, sometimes others in our organization. And when they have export-oriented presentations, well, we certainly participate in those. And we got to meet the Department of Commerce people from the United States Department of Commerce. I've gotten the opportunity to meet the president of the World Bank. Opportunities to meet many people uh, related to this. Uh, believe it or not, uh, the state of Texas has an export support organization, and they're more than happy to help you with that regard. So there, there are tons of resources. We continue to find out about them. In some cases, there are more resources than we can even use. They're just so many, and and you can find out about them. You know, if if I guess if you're in a small town and maybe rural area. It, it may be a little bit more difficult, but I would challenge you to, through your network and through your banks or your insurance or legal organizations, that people can help you and to help identify this, divide, identify this opportunity. So we've continued to do that. We've tried to add to our repertoire of services and products and, and even expand to those that are demanded internationally that might not be demanded domestically. So we've, it's just about now accepted around here that we're going to export. And it's going to be as, as basic to our business as our domestic business
2: That's great. You hit on a, a ton of really good stuff there. You know, when you, you mentioned that, that breakfast or that event you had where the... You had the speaker from the Federal Reserve there that seemed to be kind of your trigger that uh, made it mm-hmm. made you say, "Oh, geez, we're we're missing something here. We we got to open our eyes to what's in front of us." How long did it take from the moment from that moment until you guys really set this in motion? Because I love that you just set, you saw an opportunity and you you just went for it and you kind of laid out the steps you went through there, which was uh, you know I love it. It's, it's you you leaned on your existing customers. And then you you made a positioning decision through the language, yes. your outward facing positioning to the world, and said, "We we export, right? It's as simple right. as that. It's saying like, this is what we do and for who." But how long did it take to kind of get some of that in motion?
0: I mean, it, it surprised me. Our team jumped on it immediately, but to, to see really signs of success, I would say within within months, we we saw some success. Within a year, we saw we definite success but our our team has always had an appetite for new and different our, our name being gas innovation we want to be new and different, so we want to pursue those those opportunities and in, in that business that uh, maybe the rest of the, our, our competitors of the world are not as interested in It's typically faster growing and it typically provides a little better margin for us than the, the tried and true old hat margins. So really had no problem getting our team on board. If if we had an issue on on within our team, it would have been about how we're we going to get paid. Our CFO, who's outstanding, said, actually, now how are we going to get paid? And so I remember we were doing a big job for Korea. And he said... So we we found this international banking consultant. All of this has happened during this time. We start asking questions and talk about export. And, you know, a banker said, you should meet this guy. So we we meet this international banking consultant. And so he'll help us with writing letters of credit. He explained to us the difference between a letter of credit, a bank guarantee. I didn't know the difference. We learned that. And in much of the world, a bank guarantee is used where in the U.S., we use letters of credit. So there's a built-in obstacle between the rest of the world and us. They use guarantees and we use letters of credit. But we began to understand how to navigate that and how to use a letter of credit with a sister bank in an outside country for a bank guarantee to issue a bank guarantee (laughs) to customers. Just a myriad of that kind of activity. So wh- where was I, Joe? So so we're, I'm convincing my CFO that, hey, we're going to be okay. So, you know, you don't always get prepaid on an export ship. There are people who've never been in the export business that think, think that's the way it is, and it's not. You've got to be sophisticated enough to know that you're going to get paid or you need to prepare to be paid. One or the other. So I asked the international banking consultant, one of his assistants who'd had a lot of experience in Korea. I said, "Listen, we're going to do this big job in Korea, and we're worried about getting paid." And she said, "You have absolutely no worry about getting paid from Korean businesses." And I'm like, "Wow, how do you know that? You know, how can I trust you that?" She said, "I've done business there for years." And she said, "If it were to go bad." You just go to the consulate and say, here are my documents. We made good, and they will get you paid. <laughs> and she gave me every confidence in the world. Well, our CFO had already knew that team. So I said, Dennis, Sally says we have no worry if we're in Korea. <laughs> he says, Sally said that? I, yeah, and so okay, so now we're okay. So it, that's how it evolved. And we, we worked with them. and. Oh, had just fantastic business.
2: We're going to take a really quick break here to help pay the bills. So 2020 has been a weird year. Industries are facing new challenges as we navigate life without trade shows, events, and in-person meetings. Many businesses are bolstering their online tools to offer a better experience while also making up for some of those missing trade show leads. And that's where Cadena's Parts Solutions comes in. They help you create a dynamic, shareable CAD catalog that you put on your website. Designers can preview your products from any angle and download in the format that they prefer. By improving the online experience, engineers and architects get the data they need for their design, and you get a fresh lead in your marketing pipeline. Who needs trade shows anyway? To learn more, visit artsolutions.com slash leads. Well, Actually, you talked about you know a couple challenges. You know, fr- well maybe the language barrier isn't such a such a big challenge you, as you mentioned. You know, time zone differences. I'm thinking of like what are the things that are probably running through someone's head as they listen to this episode and think, well, what about this and what about this? You know, are there other challenges you you had to sort of figure out along the way and deal with you know, related to say logistics or customs or you know anything else? What are what are some of the things people need to be thinking about and you know that, that you've encountered?
0: Well, so th- those, are, those are really good things that I may have glossed over. You need somebody to help you with customs, unless you know it well. And, uh, and, and we didn't. So we have a customs broker that helps us, and they're very experienced. This guy's an Englishman that owns his company, and he was a seafarer. So he, he knows shipping and all of that sort of thing and his company has well versed our product line. And so they've helped us a lot, but we've used others as well. We, we had a situation where we were shipping something to a landlocked Asian country. So we had to ship it, we off-boarded it, we railed it, we then trucked it to the final destination. And this is in not a, not a US-favored location of the world, selling it to another country who was putting it in this ill-favored place. And I was amazed at how well we could get that done. We asked some of our shipping partners, hey, who's got the best relationship here? And they all said, this guy. And so we used him and it was unbelievable. We put uh, basically 20-foot cargo containers on a ship and they took it to a port and put it on rail and took it to another location and put it on trucks and trucked it to this inland location. And I think we paid, you know, on a several million dollar deal, we we paid $17,000 in damages on the containers. That's all. It was just fantastic. Made a lot of money, made everybody happy, customers happy. We got an A+. Plus. But it's because we networked and we went to some experts on how to, how to get the uh, credit done, and how to get the shipping and uh, customs transportation done.
2: So it seems to be a, a recurring theme here that, you know, you need to surround yourself with a lot of really smart people who are experts in... Various elements of doing business internationally, and and really just ask a lot of questions, lean on your network. I mean, this is it's kind of one on one stuff, but if you're if you're surrounded by good people and you just kind of put yourself out there and put in put in the work to you know to build that network, sounds like that's the way to go, huh?
0: It is not unlike the the audience and and in their businesses, they, they're as good as what they. Do as anybody at what they do, but when they step out of that area, they need expertise, whether it's in banking or legal assistance or insurance, you know, or or maybe it's shipping or maybe it's customs. But yeah, you need you need to have somebody that could get you out of a jam if there's a jam. Cause because there can be. I mean we we we've had some uh some real scary things where we had a non-sophisticated customer send product back to us incorrectly labeled. And that's a big no-no at the ports, particularly if things are flammable. And so, you know, we we had to say, guys, if that happens again, you know, you're gonna pay through the nose because the risk is just too much. So we learned that. We learned about all the ENCO terms, you know. INCO terms are terms that are that are used consistently in the international trade for shipping terms and shipping responsibilities. So we've learned all that. We keep those posted on our, on our website. And, well, maybe not on our website, but we keep them posted with all of our people. They all, they all know them. But you definitely need to have some expertise. I don't think we should all be counted on to know the rules and regulations of a, a ship or an offload into Port of Busan, Korea. We're just not going to know that.
2: So Ashley, what's been, what's been the impact of making this decision to start doing business internationally, Ben, on your own business?
0: Well, it's been very positive. Our business has grown. We've identified new markets and new opportunities. And, and, and I think we'll continue to grow, maybe faster than we would have without that. So the impact has been very positive. It's also been encouraging for our team, they, they've enjoyed it and they feel good about it. It's like a new success. So it, it, there's been, there've been multiple, multiple benefits to doing this.
2: Good to hear. What, yeah. what advice would you give any manufacturing leaders who are listening right now, who like you did, you know, somewhere along the way there, who see an international opportunity, but they're, they're feeling maybe a little intimidated, but they also don't want to waste any time. You know, where, where should they start?
0: I just start with who I know. I start my network and and, and asking uh, those people who who may know. But you can also ask your government officials if they have anything, because they so want to ship product outside of our country, federally and on a statewide basis that they, they encourage and want to support that. There may be free programs to help you. The the state of Texas and the and the Department of Commerce have free programs for sure. I don't know about the other states where other people might be, but there are there are people that want to help get products exported from our country. They want to improve the labor rate here, improve improve employment. They they want to do all of those things. So there's a there's a world of help.
2: Hey, you're you're not on your own out there. You?
0: No, you really aren't. Yeah. You really aren't. And read about it. I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm challenging our guys to read. So we, we follow all the periodicals for our industry and, and for industry related to us. So, you know, whether it's the satellite industry or whether it's the electronics industry, you know, food processing industry, pharmaceutical industry, all these industries we're following. And so we're looking for those export opportunities because they may have a hard time getting things.
2: Well, Ashley, is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have or that you'd like to add to this conversation?
0: I think potentially it could be much easier than people think it is. When I talk about export with most people, they they sort of have an aha moment. And most don't realize that it is not as difficult as maybe they all first thought. You know, Many people think, well, gosh, how many people speak Korean at your facility? Well, nobody. We we didn't have an intern for a while. You know, how many people speak, you know, Portuguese or German or Russian or Japanese or you know, whatever? And, and I said, Well, you know, not not really. We have a few that speak a few different languages, but not not much. Well, don't you need that? No, you don't need that. I mean, we've we've translated letters using the internet. We use simple simple words and not euphemisms or phrases. You can't. <laughs> I'm not sure you can use "how y'all doing" and get by with that in a translation for Japanese. But th- there are many tools on the internet to help you get that done. So I would I would encourage people to be open minded. And commerce is alive and well across the world, not just here. And people are just like Americans. They, they want to sell more. They want to improve their standard of living for their families. And they, and they like being successful. They don't always work as many hours as we do <laughs> in many parts of the world. In and, and other parts of the world, they work more. But I say the, the hardest step will be
2: the first one. Just step. get started. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, Ashley, this was a great conversation today. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and where they can learn more about Gas Innovations?
0: Sure. We're at gasinnovations.com, and you can call us anytime. My cell phone number is on that website. You can call that. My email is on that website, as are all of our 88 employees. We are available, and we want to be responsive. And if I can help anybody, I'd love to do that. I appreciate you having me be a part of this it's it's intriguing to me it's interesting and it's responsible how's that
2: so i think it's great good way to put a bow on it
0: yeah
2: well ashley uh really appreciate you once again for for joining here and i'd like to say thank you once again to our sponsor cadenas part solutions for helping make this episode possible so uh, ashley i guess for now that'll do it thanks for thanks for joining
0: thank you for having
2: me As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive.
1: You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.